2 Corinthians 12. And as you're flipping there, would you guys also mark in your Bibles Hebrews chapter 11? If you have have one of those old bulletin thingies, it's a paper with events on it. We're online bulletin now. You guys all online bulletins now, hopefully? If not, you can get on the website, get your online bulletin delivered right to your inbox. You can see all that's going on, get plugged in, get involved. But if you have one of those old things called a paper bulletin, mark Hebrews chapter 11, or if you've got a little stringy thing, mark Hebrews chapter 11, because I'm going to flip there at the end of the Bible study, hopefully to wrap it up. Second Corinthians 12. Lord, thank you so much for this morning to be together, to know that it's you who's gathered us. Thank you for um, this place you provided, for this family, or the special work of your spirit that you're doing here. Lord, what's continued, what's begun in the spirit, I pray would continue in the spirit, that we would be those that are led by you. Thank you that you share your strength with us. Thank you for your grace upon grace that you give us. Thank you for your word this morning. As we open your word, we ask that you'd speak to our hearts. You would teach us, instruct us, that we'd be built up in our most holy faith. Thank you ahead of time for the great things that you are going to do. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So let me just remind us as we come to the tail end of this letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. Remember, in these last few chapters, in the beginning few chapters, the Apostle Paul is defending his apostolic authority. Um, Remember, the church at this time, by and large, is disrespecting Paul. There's been a minority within the church that is um, saying things about Paul, that are being critical of Paul. Um, and the church is buying into it. And, and, and I find it so sad. I, I can't believe that Paul has to defend his ministry, the blood, the sweat, the tears that he poured into the foundational work of the church, loving them and caring for them and, and pastoring them and being so faithful to do what God called him to do. And then to have left and now have the church being critical of him and, and turning on him. But here's the thing, as Paul defends himself, he's not like whining, saying, oh, I can't believe they're saying bad things about me. These people that are saying the bad things, we learned last week, are taking the church away from Jesus Christ. They're taking them away from a simple love relationship with the Lord. That's bad news, by the way. That's called a wolf or a false shepherd or a false teacher. Anyone that takes you away, Jesus doesn't want people being taken away from him, correct? And so Paul's not happy. And he's addressed this issue with them straight up. Remember last week he called them false apostles. And you can imagine the bomb that went off in the sanctuary when that was read. Those people that were leading others astray, hearing that and responding to that. But in any event, the the Corinthians had turned on Paul and now Paul is compelled to talk about himself, which he doesn't want to do. They had been, the false leaders were boasting and boasting about and bragging about um, their spirituality, about uh, the, their spiritual experiences also. And Paul's like, okay, I'm going to stoop down to their level. I'm going to boast here. But what did he boast in? Remember what he boasted in last week? His weaknesses, right? His infirmities. And he's going to continue to do that um, this morning. The false teachers were self-promoters, boastful. And listen, that is, that is not Jesus-style ministry, correct? That Jesus didn't do that. In fact, it says about our Lord, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. 
He won't, his voice will not be heard in the streets. He won't be tooting his horn and saying, look at me, check me out. In fact, in John's gospel, John chapter 7, you may remember Jesus' brothers said to him, hey, you know what? You're, you're doing so great here. Why don't you go show your stuff to everybody? Let everybody see what you're doing, all these amazing things and amazing works and all of that. Go make yourself known to everybody. It's interesting because it says his brothers didn't even believe in him. But they're like, go show yourself. Go show your stuff. And that's not Christ-like ministry. And so the Apostle Paul here is concerned about their spiritual condition, concerned about the direction that they are headed, and he's wanting to help them get back on track. And so let's see how he does it here in chapter 12. By the way, I would say this is one of the most important sections um, in Scripture concerning our walk and our service with and for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is so, so super crucial this morning. I'm just kind of giving you a little heads up before we get into this. So let's look and see what Paul says, what God's Word says. Chapter 12, verse 1. Paul writes, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago Whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Who knows? God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful For a man to utter, of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my, what did your Bible say? Infirmities. So so Paul says here in verse 1, let me draw your attention back to verse 1. He says, it is certainly not beneficial for me to continually keep bragging. And that's what he had done in the previous chapter, but it was about his weaknesses and all the hardships in ministry. This isn't something I want to say, but I'm going to say this. I'm going to change subjects now, he says, and talk about visions and revelations, these amazing spiritual things that the Lord experiences, that the Lord has allowed me to have. And didn't the Lord allow him to have some cool spiritual experiences? You guys remember Acts chapter 9, when when the Apostle Paul came to know Jesus? Jesus came to him, right? Showed up in a special way to the Apostle Paul. Later on, also, you remember when the Apostle Paul, um, in Acts chapter 16, on that second missionary journey, he had that vision of the Macedonian man, right? And ended up going over uh, across the sea to reach the people um, there in northern Greece and that region as well. Remember when Paul was in Corinth and he had been sharing with the people there during the first time he was there? He's sharing and then all of a sudden he's worried. And the Lord came to him in a vision and said, what did he say? If he was worried, what did Jesus say? Don't be afraid. I am with you. I have many people in this city. Keep preaching. Keep sharing the word of God. That's like a little amen back there. Way to go, dude. All right. So check it out. And also remember when he's on the ship traveling to Rome? And remember they got in that huge storm, that Eurocladon? Is that a weird name? Isn't it a Euroclidon, 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 one of those? Big storm. And all of a sudden, the Lord sends who? An angel of the Lord to him, to minister to him. So the Apostle Paul had these amazing spiritual experiences, but that's not something he wants to boast in. It's something that happened in his life. And he's speaking about, by the way, in this little uh, section we just read, who's Paul talking about? Himself. Thank you. Not some random dude. Okay. We're going to see that in verse 7. And so, but he says, hey, I know this dude. He's a Christian. Verse 2. And verse 7 again, he lets us know it's him. He's speaking of himself here. Why is Paul being so obscure, by the way? Why is Paul being so obscure in this? I think personally, it's, it's so hard for him to talk about something so personal. To share something so personal. He's so reluctant to talk about anything that would be self-promoting in his life. 
I mean, doesn't the Lord do special things in your life? Has God done special things in your life? Right? There's a, there's a certain intimacy, just like a, a husband and a wife have together. There's certain things that you share together intimately. There's certain things that we share together intimately with the Lord that are so special to us that, that we don't want to talk about those things. We don't want to speak about those things. And, and Paul says, listen, this happened 14 years earlier. And, and that was approximately, you remember when the Apostle Paul was on his first missionary journey with Barnabas? And they came to the area of Lystra. Right? They came to Lystra, and remember what happened? Paul shares uh, the gospel with these people, and there were some Jews that had followed Paul from the previous cities, stirred up the multitude, and what did they do to Paul? Remember what happened? Remember what happened? They stoned him, drug him out of the city, left him for dead, and the Christians were all surrounding Paul. I think they were praying for him, maybe, or... Maybe doing a little memorial service, I don't know. But what happened? All of a sudden, boom, Paul comes back to life. And where does, where does he go? He goes back into the city. How do you stop a guy like that? He's like, I gotta go finish my sermon. I wasn't done yet. I gotta get back. They gave me this private rock concert. I gotta get, now I gotta get back in there and finish, off, finish the deal. Got some key points I need to conclude here with. Personally, I think that's what happened. It was at this point when he had this experience where he was caught up. And, and Paul's like, I don't know whether it was physical, whether I was in the body, out of the body, dead, alive, vision, what. All I know is I was caught up. That word is the same word we get, uh, rapture, harpazo, to be snatched up. And by the way, that's happening soon. The Lord's coming for his bride. We'll be snatched up to be with the Lord forever. Looking forward to that. So Paul gets his own personal rapture, right? He gets snatched away to the third heaven. What in the world's the third heaven? What is that? Well, the first heaven is the blue sky we see. Then you move to the second heaven, that's outer space, and then to the Father's house is in the third heaven. He refers to it here as paradise in the next couple, in the, uh, verse four, right? Let's check it out. Verse four, this guy was snatched up Paul says it twice. I don't know whether alive or dead. The Lord knows. Bottom line, he knows. This guy was snatched up into paradise. By the way, that word paradise is used only three times in the New Testament. Here, and then remember in the Gospel of Luke, um, remember the, uh, the thief on the cross? He began that afternoon by cursing, saying, Brutal things to Jesus. And then there was a change in his heart, wasn't there? I think as he, as he watched Jesus process death and go through suffering. Listen, people watch when we go through suffering. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. It's a testimony to people how we go through suffering. And, some, and, and, and it touched this guy's heart. He said, Lord, remember what he said? Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord means as a transaction. I bow my heart, my life to you. Remember me, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You're a king. I know you have a kingdom. I want to be a part of that. I'm surrendering to you, my life to you, right here, right now. And what did Jesus say to him? Sorry, dude, you need to get church membership. Sorry, you got to get baptized, get down from the cross. What did he say? Assuredly, amen, amen. Today you will be with me in... Paradise, right to the Father's house. If you're taking notes, Revelation 2, I think it's like verse 7. I think it is. The, uh, Jesus is giving seven report cards to the churches. You guys remember that? The first report card went to the church of Ephesus, right? And he, Jesus spoke about those that, are, that overcome these deficiencies, right? The overcomer, there are certain promises. And to that church, the promise was... That what? If they overcome, they will what? They will be able to eat of the tree of life in the midst of the paradise of God. How cool is that going to be? Grabbing a piece of that fruit that never goes bad. Anybody like fruit here? It's going to be some killer fruit. So Paul gets caught up into paradise. And he, what did he hear? Inexpressible words, words that are beyond description. And notice, he says, it would be a crime to even repeat those. Right? Is that what he says? Not lawful for a man 
to utter. Can I just, little observation, Paul did not write a book. Paul did not go viral. Some of you know where I'm going with this, don't you? There's no, hey, my minute and 30 seconds in heaven book, movie, book tour that would follow. I'm probably stepping on some toes this morning. I don't care. I love you. (laughs) Well, Pastor, what about those books? What about those people writing all that stuff? You know what? I don't have time to read those books. All the information about heaven and hell are right here in our Bibles. And God has given us all we need to know, all he wants us to know. In fact, the Holy Spirit makes those things real in our hearts, according to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, but God has prepared for those who love him. And the Holy Spirit has revealed those things to us. So glorious, so awesome. And so... Paul says in verse 5, look at verse 5 with me. He says, the the greatness of the experience would be worth telling or talking about, but I don't want to boast about that. I will boast in my, what does he say? Infirmities or weaknesses. I'm going to brag about pain and suffering. Listen, uh, character is built by suffering. Character is built by suffering. It makes us who we are. It's how we are benefited and how we learn through hard times and pain, the things that we struggle with and go through. That's how we grow. That's how we mature. In fact, didn't Paul say something about that? Isn't there a certain attitude we're supposed to have? Is that somewhere in the book, you guys? Am I making stuff up here? Romans 5. So we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Yes. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Crickets. A little something over here. No amens. Do we glory in tribulations? How can I glory in tribulations when things are rough? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character... Anybody know? Hope. And hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So Paul says, I'm going to brag about my suffering. I'm going to brag about my weaknesses. Not my spiritual experiences. I'm going to brag about my weaknesses, my infirmities. And he goes on, for though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. I'm not going to be a moron. There's a temptation, he says, to boast, but I'm not going to be a fool or a moron, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. It's interesting what Paul says. He says, though I might desire to boast, and listen, our flesh loves to boast and brag, doesn't it? It's just... To be noticed, correct? Don't we like to be noticed? To be recognized? For us to be recognized as spiritual, right? Remember the Pharisees in Jesus' day? right? They like to be seen by men for the things that they do. And there's a little Pharisee that lives in each one of our hearts, isn't there? That needs to be put to death, right? We need to crucify that little Pharisee in our lives. And Paul's like, I don't want to convey these things and give an impression that I'm some super spiritual, otherworldly person. Like I got a, everywhere I go, I got a glow. Like a, like a, ever seen that little circle around pictures or like I'm glowing everywhere I go, just stepping on air. I don't want to give an impression of, you know, the few, the proud, the spiritual Marines. Because here's the deal. These guys that were in the church these super apostles, these false leaders, they were all about image. They portrayed themselves as a level above everyone else. And certain, and we can do that. Portray ourselves as something. And Paul's saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want you guys, I'm not going to say things that are designed to make you think of me as super spiritual. 
I'm not trying to impress you with who I am. That is, doesn't that hit home? That hits so home to me when I read that. Because that's a disease in the body of Christ right now, is doing things to be seen. And there's a reminder for us here, I think, of before we speak of praying and thinking those things through about what we're going to say. Am I saying this to elevate me? Am I saying this so, so, so the people or the person will see me as something super spiritual or some superior specimen of a Christian? Because what happens is when I elevate myself, it detracts from God. It takes away from Him. And we need to, I think we need to be saying, like John the Baptist, I need to be decreasing. He needs to be increasing. Listen, people close to God don't have to impress people how close to God they really are. And Paul, I like how Paul was so real here, so authentic. He struggled with the flesh like all of us. He says, I might desire to do that. And we all, don't we all need God's grace, his forgiveness, his, the power of his spirit to work in our lives, to not go down that trail? And so Paul goes on to say, unless I should be exalted above measure, by what? By the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to, that's buffet, not buffet me. Somebody asked me about that first service. I had to laugh. They said, you were looking right at me when you said buffet. It's buffet. <laughs> Messenger of Satan to buffet me. Why? Lest I be exalted above measure. Paul says, so I wouldn't be full of pride. That I would continually stay in a place of being used by God. God revealed all of these amazing things to me, these revelations. But he also gave something to me also that accompanied those amazing revelations. What was it? A thorn in the flesh. Now, when you read thorn, don't think like, you guys ever like, anybody have roses? You ever get like a little rose thing stuck? Anybody ever have? It doesn't feel good, does it? It's pretty gnarly, right? I, one time I had it happen to me and it, my, it hit my middle finger and it swell up like this. This word for thorn is a tent peg. Think about those old-fashioned tent pegs, the, the big wood pegs that you strike into the ground to hold the, the rope down on your tents. That's the word that Paul's using here. A tent peg in the flesh. Can you imagine the pain? It speaks of an instrument that produces pain and discomfort continually. And please notice there's no faith confessions here. I don't have a tent peg. I don't have a tent peg. I don't know. I got a tent peg. And think about that. Paul had prayed for others to be healed. He had, gone, he had seen God work in healing others, but he has this issue physically, and notice it was given to him. Paul says, this was given to me. Because of the experiences that God has allowed me to have, God has also given me, allowed me to have this infirmity. We are, listen, this morning, we are not told what the thorn is, the tent peg is. Correct? Are we told? It doesn't, it doesn't tell us. So why is that important? Well, it could be a number of things. I think as we read the book of Galatians, which we hopefully will get to in a couple of weeks, Paul had an eye issue. Paul had a serious eye issue. In fact, it, he alludes to it in that letter. He said to the Galatians, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So we don't know what happened to his eyes. Some people think that he got malaria. Some people think that he had some type of issue when... In Acts chapter 9, when, that, when Jesus came and showed up, remember he was blinded? It had something to do with that. Some people say it was migraines. I mean, think about getting hit with rocks. The concussions, getting beat, all these beatdowns. Some people think it was migraines. Some people think it was lustful thoughts. Some people say it was a person. But here's the, here's the deal this morning. The Bible's silent. And I think, why, why didn't Paul tell us what the thorn is, and I have a, I think I know why, because you know why? If we knew, because we would compare thorns with one another. 
Your thorn's not as bad as my thorn. And what do we get? We get the, the poor memes, don't we? You don't know about my thorn. My thorn's so bad. Nothing compared, nothing compares to this. I hear you, but your thorn's not no. We compare, wouldn't we? Or or we compartmentalize thorns. God's strength is only available for this kind of thorn, but not that kind of thorn. Bible's silent. Where the Bible's silent, we need to be silent. All we know is he's got this gnarly pain, this thorn in his flesh. He's struggling physically. And not only that, look what else. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, Paul says. One of the devil's messengers accompanied this thorn. And what did he do? That word buffet means pound, to pound relentlessly, to hit over and over and over again. And possibly this was a scenario, remember Job? You guys remember the book of Job? Where God allowed the suffering to come into Job's life, but it was the devil that brought the suffering. You guys remember that? Into Job's life. But everything has to pass through. And that's a great reminder this morning, isn't it? Everything that happens to God's children must pass through a father filter. Such a good reminder. Our Father who loves you. He's bought you at a price. He cares for you. He loves you dearly and deeply. You are his treasured possession. And everything that happens in our lives must pass through that Father filter. I mean, think about when, remember when uh, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has, what, asked for you to sift you as wheat. And I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail you. And when you have returned to me, go and strengthen your brethren. Satan had to ask for permission to sift Peter as wheat. You guys, are you guys catching me? It has to pass through our father filter. And beyond that, it's possible also that accompanying this thorn, the messenger continually brought doubt and discouragement into Paul's life. You ever have a hard time reconciling God's love with your current condition or situation? Can you imagine? If God, this messenger of Satan, if God really loves you, how can he let you go through this? If God loved you so much, how come you got this painful thing in your life. If God loved you so much, how come this child with cerebral palsy? If God loved you so much, how come this job loss? If God's so good, how could he use a creep like you? If God is so, so, so awesome, how could he use someone so flawed? I mean, this is, this is what's happening to Paul. Over and over and over, getting pounded. Condemnation upon condemnation. Can you imagine? You got not only the physical pain, but also this messenger, a messenger, by the way, a messenger delivers a message. I don't think that the messenger was going, oh, you're, you know, Paul, hang in there, buddy. You know, the Lord will give you strength. He's tearing him down, ripping him apart. And maybe you're saying, Pastor, well, wait a minute. What if my thorn is self-inflicted this morning? You know, we can have self-inflicted thorns in our lives. Can I encourage you this morning? Turn to God to confess and to repent and to seek him. Why? Because he is faithful. He will turn that thing around in your life. And he will use you and he will use it in a special way to bring him glory and to further his kingdom. You give it all to him. Because why? Our God is a redeeming God. He's into redemption. Even our failures. And Paul said at the end of verse 8, or verse 7 rather, he says it a second time, lest I, he was given this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan accompanying the thorn. And he says, lest I be exalted above measure. You know what Paul did here? He connected the dots spiritually. You guys ever connect the dots in a drawing? Your kids ever do that? You get the one, two, and it comes out, looks like a whale or a cat or something. You guys ever do that? Like one. Paul is connecting the dots spiritually. He recognized he was the recipient of this painful thorn and this demonic messenger in order, why? To keep him in a place of brokenness and humility. Because God can use us when we are broken and when we are humble. God resists the proud but gives grace. 
to the humble. And you know what? Look at Paul's response in verse 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. The difficulty led Paul to what? To prayer. Led Paul to prayer. And it's interesting just to step back and think about Paul thought he could serve the Lord better if he was healed. Oh God, I could serve you better if I was just healed. If you just touch my life. And he begged the Lord. That's what pleaded me. He begged the Lord three times. And we, we don't know if it was three times over 14 years. Or if it was three times over three months or three days or one day. But in any event, he's begging the Lord to remove this thing from him. By the way, unanswered prayer does not mean that God's not listening. Paul served God and he suffered. He begs the Lord for help. And notice, please, he prayed, but he also listened. This is crucial. He listened. Look at the next verse to me. Look what it says. And he said to me, Jesus spoke to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Does anybody like that verse? Is that good? You guys like that verse? A couple of y'all. Awesome. I, listen, Paul, listen. I think there's a simple observation, simple application. In times of suffering, in times of hurting, are you listening to what God is saying to you? Are you spending time with Him? Listening for His voice? You know, I read this. Was that what Paul wanted to hear? I don't think so. Paul, remove this thorn. Oh God, get rid of this thorn. Please help me. And then Paul hears this. Sometimes God speaks to us. And if it's not what we want to hear, you know what we do sometimes? We dismiss it. This is a tough pill to swallow, but it's the best pill, isn't it? My grace, Jesus says. What is grace? His kindness, his favor. It's not deserved. It's not earned. I love the acrostic. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. All of his riches. All of his wealth given to you and me because of what Jesus did for us. We are extremely and wonderfully and gloriously blessed. And Jesus says, my kindness, my favor is enough for you. It is sufficient. All my spiritual wealth, all my riches are available to you, Jesus says. What I've given you is enough. I've given you what you need. I love that word sufficient. It means to lift up, to bear up, and to carry. He says, my grace will lift you up. My grace will bear you up. My grace will carry you. Notice he also says, my power, my strength is made perfect in what? In weakness. Instead of removing this, I'm going to give you something instead, the Lord says. Listen, uh, suffering is part of I know it's a hard pill. It's, suffering is part of God's will for our lives as Christians. Correct? It's part of our vocation. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome this world. If you've chosen the narrow way, Jesus said it's difficult. <laughs> the way that leads to heaven, we're following him. There's going to be suffering. And listen, sometimes, please listen, sometimes God miraculously heals. We've seen a couple people recently healed of cancer in our church. Hallelujah. Awesome. Sometimes he heals. But sometimes the miracle is not the taking away of the suffering. The miracle is what? Is the strength that God gives us in the midst of the suffering. And what he supplies as we look to his resources, to his grace, to his sufficiency. In fact, look at Paul's response at the end of verse 9. Therefore, in light of that, in light of what Jesus said, most gladly, I will rather boast, yes, woo in my infirmities. Why? 
that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul's like, I will get excited and boast and brag about my weaknesses. Why? In order for Jesus' power to, that word rest, check this out. I love what it means. It means to pitch a tent and reside. The Lord's power pitches a tent and resides on us. His anointing on our lives. His power, his strength. Listen, this morning there's, there's purpose in what we go through. There's purpose. And you know, I think about Paul and I think about just the different men and women in God's word that serve the Lord. Um, it's a wonderful thing to be called to something you're not qualified for. Do you know that? It's awesome. Uh, that's not an excuse to be lazy. We should do our best. But the Lord calls us all the time to do things that are way, way beyond our ability. Why? Because he shows himself mighty on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal unto him. God wants to use every one of us. And listen, it doesn't depend upon our strength. Our strength often gets in the way of what God wants to do. And God allows us sometimes, well, God allows us to get to the end of our rope. You get to the end of our rope, and you know what he says? All right, now you're ready. Now I can show my strength in your life. You're not striving. You're not trying to do it on your own. And so Paul says, therefore, in light of that, look at the, the last verse. I thought we were going to get through the whole chapter. I told first service, there's no way. Therefore, I what, Paul says, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. This is so good. I didn't hear any amens. Anybody taking pleasure in these things? <laughs> Paul says, I accept gladly, gladly my weaknesses. I accept gladly reproaches. You know what reproaches means? Here's what it means. I looked it up. When people say or do damaging or injurious things to us, or they insult us. When people do or say bad things to us. Paul says, I'm rejoicing when that happens. Why? Because guess what happens? When I retaliate in love, when I respond the way, you guys like grace? Does anybody here like receiving grace? We give grace. And what happens? We experience his power, his strength. We see him work in a special way. Are you with me? A gentle answer turns away wrath. Oh, how awesome is that? Paul says, I rejoice, I'll boast gladly in what? In needs, in pressing situations. When there's more month than money. And all I can do is lift up my hands to heaven. Paul says, I'll rejoice in that. Why? Because God's going to come through. I'm going to see his strength in this. I take pleasure in that. He says, I take pleasure in what else? What else does he say? In persecutions. Persecu hassled, harassed, or harmed for righteousness sake. Really? Because why? How can you rejoice in that when people are doing that to him? Because he experiences God's strength. He doesn't retaliate in the flesh. He goes the extra mile. He turns the other cheek. And what does he experience? He experiences the power of God in his life. And it's glorious to be used by the Lord. He rejoices. What else? He accepts gladly distresses, difficult circumstances. Are you rejoicing in your difficult circumstances? I don't know who holds tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And he told me if I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto me. 
I can't wait to see what he's going to do. Because people come to me all the time and say, there's what's happening, Pastor. It's distressing, the situation I'm in. So gnarly. Fifi the cat died. No, it's worse than that. Just a joke. Making sure you're still with me. That's pretty gnarly for some of us, right? Is he going to be in heaven? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know it's you. Because you're a good dad. You're a good father. You're a good shepherd. And you love him. You love him. Paul says, I rejoice in these, in these things for Jesus' name, for the name of Jesus. For when I'm in that place of weakness... I experience the Lord's strength. I experience his ability. I experience his power. Paul took pleasure in these things. Why? Because he saw God's purpose. He saw God's purpose in all of it. In all that happened in his life, he processed it with the Lord in prayer, in the word. I love that about Paul. And you know what? Do we take pleasure in these things? Is our thinking like Paul's this morning? Is our thinking, this is biblical thinking right here, by the way. Is our thinking biblical? In the United States, this does not appeal to, to United States Christianity. It doesn't. Sadly, so many churches where we wrongly think suffering and sacrifice are only something that missionaries need to do. And we're not called to that. And there's a price to pay for discipleship, isn't there? Is there a price to pay? Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you want to come after me, do what? Deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. I can't follow Jesus without taking up my cross and denying myself. We want to live for ourselves. Jesus said, no, no, no. Deny the self, death to the self. That's where you experience life. That's where you experience all these things that I have for you to experience my strength, to experience my power in, you, in your life. And sadly, we hit difficulty or difficult people. You guys have difficult people in your life? Anybody have difficult people in their life? Sadly, we hit difficult people, difficult circumstances. And you know what we do? We quit. We bail. We throw in the towel. We hide, we dwell in a pit of misery and complaining. And all, and what does Jesus say? All of my riches are prepared, ready for you right in that moment. Can I encourage you to look to him, to trust in him this morning? To embrace, listen, to embrace the place that God has brought you to. Say, all right, Lord, I'm down, you're with me. You promised to never leave me nor forsake me. Your grace is sufficient. Lord, you pro listen, these are promises that you can claim, you can ask him about. If you read your Bible and study your Bible, you see our heroes of the faith, they would do that. They would, they would pray God's promises. Lord, you said this. You made this promise. Don't our kids do that to us? Don't your kids do that to you? Dad, you promised. Going to Corky Pig Barbecue. Come on, he promised, man. <laughs> or whatever. You know what I'm saying? We're his kids. Dad, you promised. I love hearing that from my kids. Hearing the little voices. Don't you, don't you guys? No? You, I can't stand hearing their voices. Listen, it goes so quick. They're here today. Playing with Barbies. Look like Barbie. Often into the sunset. But we learn so much theology in our homes. Listen, there's purpose in what we go through this morning. Sometimes God has to lovingly strip away stuff in our lives to bring us to a place of personal weakness. Do you know that? Sometimes God has to lovingly strip away things in our life to bring us to a place of personal weakness and it doesn't feel good. Remember David? 
You guys remember David in the Bible? We're talking about him on Wednesday nights in the Psalms. 20 years old, he loses everything. His job, his best friend, wife, everything. Remember what happened? His boss, Hunter, remember his boss? Who was his boss? Saul. Saul Hunt and, and all the employees from Saul's company came after him to kill him. Can you imagine 20 years old being hunted down? Remember what happens? Remember what happens with him? On Wednesday nights, we're looking at the Psalms that David wrote from the cave of Adullam. The caveman psalms, we like to call them. Because when he was on the run, he finally ended up in that cave of Adullam. And the cave of Adullam overlooks the Valley of Elah. Remember what happened in the Valley of Elah? When David was a young boy, he took down Goliath. You guys remember that? Went in the noggin. You guys remember that story? He comes to the cave. He's broken. And it's there where he looks up and he looks out and he sees, oh, he remembers that I need to look to God. I need to look to the Lord. I need to look to his sufficiency. Everything's been stripped away. Lord, you've brought me to this place and the beautiful psalms that come out of that time. Do you, do you guys remember those psalms? Don't the psalms comfort us? Don't they uplift you? Do you guys like the psalms? Anybody like the psalms here? They build us up, they strengthen us up, they lift us up. And it came out of him, his suffering, his difficulty, his hardship. And he chose to rejoice. Saying, Lord, I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I praise you. I'll continue to praise you and trust you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm getting hunted down at 20 years old. He's writing that psalm. I mean, isn't that awesome? And those, the, what came out of his life during that suffering blesses us so much. But those things needed to be not only stripped away, the Saul needed to be removed from David's heart. The pride, the arrogance, the boasting. And the Lord had to do that in his life, just like the little Pharisee in our lives needs to be knocked out, <laughs> needs to be driven out. And sometimes it's suffering, sometimes it's trials and difficulties that brings us to that place. Where we say, Lord, I will just boast in you. Your grace. Thank you for sharing your grace, your strength with me. I need it. I'm a nobody. You're everything. May I be decreasing and you increasing. And when we embrace that weakness, man, that's where we experience his power. There's purpose in what we go through, guys. In verse 7, Paul tells us two times, part of it was to protect Paul from himself. God loved me enough to bring suffering into my life to protect me from me. Isn't that good? We're so, we are sometimes our own worst enemy. Paul recognized in verse 9 it would keep God's anointing on his life. A place of being used by God. A place of humility, of brokenness. The tent peg, the thorn, would protect Paul from the greatest danger in the life of someone being used by God, and that is pride. We're out of time, so we have, let's flip over to Hebrews 11 as we close. We got Oh, yeah. I can't tell if that says one more hour. <laughs> People that come that are new, they're like, what? I'm going to keep going. And the other people are like, yeah, I wish you would have kept going, man. That was like so epic. <laughs> Hebrews 11. You guys know this chapter, like the, Hebrew, the hall of faith, the heroes of the faith, Old Testament people. people. So good. In verse 32. The author says, and what more shall I say? Remember the, all the Old Testament heroes, by faith Moses did this, and by faith so-and-so did that. And What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. You guys remember Gideon? Remember Gideon? Super chicken? Remember that dude? 
and his band of 300 dainty dudes. They, used, they had party favors, and God gave them an amazing victory. And God whittled away their entire army so that they couldn't say it was because of our strength. It was all because of the Lord. And then who? And then we got Barak. Remember Barak? I won't go into battle unless you take me, honey. Deborah, please take me by the hand. How about Samson? When you read a children's Bible, what does Samson look like? Like, like stack, right? He's got some like guns, big old made in Israel traps. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I think I think he was a little puny dude with a t- ponytail. Come on, now you're a pastor. Now you've gone a little bit too far, dude. No way, Jose. Check it out. Remember when the Philistines were trying, what they said to Delilah? Where does he get his great strength from? Oh. They didn't say, wow, he, look at, he's so strong because he's got those ultra huge biceps. Where does he get his great strength? He was just some little puny dude. That God showed himself mighty on behalf of. Because why? Because his life was consecrated to God. He was a one-man wrecking crew. Imagine what he could have done if he gathered everybody together, served the Lord together. And these were all weak cats. Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith, check this out as we finish, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Who was that? Who was that? Daniel. Quenched the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. And then don't miss this. What does it say? Out of weakness were made. What was the key? Their weakness. How do you subdue kingdoms? Work righteousness. Shut the mouths of lions. Do all these radical things. You know how? By looking to the Lord's grace, his strength, his sufficiency alone. Because he wants to show himself mighty on your behalf and mine. Our lives are to be marked by the supernatural, not by our natural abilities, by his abilities. And that way, he gets all of the glory. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you this morning. Such an amazing passage. Lord, thank you that you would share your strength with us. Thank you for your grace upon grace that you lavish upon us, upon our lives. God, forgive us. So often we, we boast, we toot our own horn. We try to make ourselves look so spiritual. May we just follow that example, Lord, that we find in Paul to boast in our infirmities, our weaknesses.